Welcome to the Lila Joe Show. I explore the journey to excellence, which starts with the pursuit of passion. Welcome back to the show. For today's episode, I interviewed British fashion designer Charlie Breer. In our conversation, Charlie told me about how she fell into this career accidentally and her belief that with enough passion and drive, you can turn absolutely anything into a success, as she did with her company. Charlie told me about how she juggles being a mom with running a successful fashion label, not fearing failure, the titanium pins in her back, and the best advice she has ever received from the one and only Jamie Oliver. Charlie is awesome, and I know you guys will love this conversation, so grab a snack, go sit somewhere comfortable, and enjoy the episode. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hi, Lila. Thanks for having me. So my interviews are structured like workouts because I'm an athlete, so we have the warm-up, and then we have a longer period, which is more intense, and then the cool-down. Okay. Is that good for you? Sounds good. All right, so let's start with the warm-up. Okay. Heels or flats? Flats. Fur or faux? Faux. Fitted or flared? Flared. Glamour or grunge? Both. Nice. Coffee or tea? Tea. What is your opinion on jeggings? Oh, no, don't do it. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Spinning or Pilates? Pilates. Night in or night out? Night in. What, in your opinion, is the worst fashion trend of all time? Um, Bum bags? Funny packs? Oh, yeah. My sisters love those. Yeah, they're back in, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And the best fashion trend of all time? Lame. Lame. Yeah. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Wellington City in Hertfordshire. Nice. And what was your childhood like? What were your interests? Um, I loved ballet. I did ballet until I was 15. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and wanted to go to the Royal Ballet School, which I tried out for. And I got asked back when I was 16, but by then I discovered going to the pub. So oh, you did? It didn't happen. Um, so yeah, ballet was my big thing, and art as well. Um, textiles, they were my, the main things that I really loved. And what is something that you wish you did less of growing up? I don't, I don't know if there's anything. Maybe steal my sister's clothes. <laughs> but uh, that would probably be the only thing I could think of. Well, if you have sisters, that's a given. Yeah. And I have two, so yeah. I know what that's yeah. like. Yeah. Who were your role models throughout your childhood, and would you say there are some that still inspire you today? Probably my mum, and she definitely still inspires me now. Um, and my nana as well, her mother who um, was a seamstress for Scaparelli. She had a really, really tough time with her mother and she didn't know who her father was and she ran away um, from a children's home and got a job at 16 um, and doing all the beading with Scaparelli and worked for them for years. So I think that she was a real kind of hero of mine because she kind of made something out of nothing and she was a really hard worker. Um, And my mum kind of had that sort of drive as well and then she taught that to you yeah and then I think probably just a lot lot of different designers sort of fashion I always was really interested in fashion even though I didn't really realize that's what I was going to end up doing Mm. I mean I always loved Vivian Westwood I always thought she was absolutely amazing and I think she's probably still you know real 
heroine of mine now. And speaking of designers that influenced you, if you could trade places with one for a day and they could be dead or alive, who would you trade places with? Probably Eliza Scaparelli, I think. And then there's the ties to your grandma as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think she lived a really colourful life, or, or probably Coco Chanel as well. But oh, I don't of know course. if that's a really more of an obvious choice. Well, but yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah, <laughs> one one of the sort of strong, you know, women who were really successful. So you are a mother of three. I am Mabel, who is seven, yes. and then twins at age two. Yes. And last week, I saw Mabel in the most adorable little outfit, which you said she chose herself, yes. and I was very impressed by that. Yeah. So she obviously inherited this from you this sense of fashion but would you say you were this fashionable at such a young age I think I was always probably like maybe I was always really determined and really sure of what I liked and I think that that's probably you know that's that's where talents for you know putting clothes together comes from I think part of it's just confidence yeah um part of it's just having the confidence and the belief that you know what you like and what you're putting together is looks good because I think that if you have that then you can really carry anything off and I definitely think she has that I mean think it's hilarious some of the things that she chooses she ultimately has that belief that that's what she wants to wear and no one else is going to tell her any different and I was absolutely 100% like that so I think that it's not really something that you can learn but I definitely think that it comes from within it comes from this sort of self-belief. Yeah, being different, isn't it? Yeah. Nice. And what advice do you wish you could give to your 18-year-old self? I think it would just be just don't sweat the small stuff, which is what everybody says and what every mum would give as a piece of advice. But, yeah, that would probably be the The same advice you use now. Yeah. And I'm curious, how did you get into styling after high school? Did you go to college? What was that like? So my career path was that I did an art foundation course. So my A-levels, I did um, media studies, English and art. Um, And my art kind of went more into textiles. And then I I went and did a foundation course and I specialised in textiles. And I had the choice to go either to St Martin's, kind of quite hilariously, like the best fashion college in, in the UK. Um, or um, I got a place at De Montfort in Leicester, which was where my sister was. I wanted to move away from my parents, not because I didn't love them, <laughs> but I just felt like it was sort of time to yeah. go. And I wanted, I didn't want to go to London because I'd have had to stay at home. And my sister was in Leicester. So it was just a bit of a no-brainer for me. So it's kind of interesting. Obviously, I ended up doing what I was doing. Um, but didn't really go down that sort of traditional route. When I did my degree, I did a huge amount of work experience. I just, I don't know why. Someone must have kind of given me that advice, I guess. But it definitely didn't come from my parents. And I decided that I was going to try out lots and lots of different things to see what I wanted to do. So I worked at The Telegraph because I thought I might want to be a journalist. Mm. I went and worked for a wine company. And then one of the other things I did was I went and worked at ID magazine which obviously is still going and is an amazing fashion mag for anyone who wants to work in fashion they should check it out and after that I then went and did some work experience at MTV so I was in my final year at university and I went and did two weeks 
there and they basically said oh, can't you stay like don't bother going back and finishing your degree but I said no I need to go back and finish my degree so they offered me a job when I finished and the day I arrived they actually gave the guy in charge of the department the push and gave me his job <laughs> the day you arrived yeah wow and so I thought well I'll go and I'll work the summer and I'll earn a bit of money and I'll see how it goes and then I'll leave and I'll go travelling, which obviously I never did. Wow. Well, it's amazing how things turn out that way. Like you said, trying out journalism and all these different things because you didn't really know what your passion was. And then ending up at this placement. And then it's amazing how you can discover your passion later on. What would you say was the most disastrous moment in your styling career? Disastrous moment. I mean, there's some some ones that cannot be mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some ones that are probably a bit, you know, probably creatively. We had a, I did a music video, a really big budget music video, and the day before the director changed his mind. So I think we had to. It was something like we had to make everything in red, and then he sort of you know changed it to blue, and we had to stay up all night, night remaking before. everything, dyeing everything. I mean, we literally had no sleep at all. So. That was probably Changing kind of, plans. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a more PC one that I could yeah. discuss. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to hear the story about your accidental discovery of vintage bridal wear. Sure. Um, so I've been styling for about 10 years at that point, and I just, I just wanted to do something else. I've been working really, really hard. I mean, I didn't have a lot of holidays, and when you're a freelancer, you you really do take kind of pretty much everything that comes your way. And I'd got to a point with styling where, you know, I was doing really well. And I just, I was up at five in the morning. I was shooting until three. I would come back. Um, I'd start all over again. It was pretty relentless. And I think I just kind of, I don't know whether or not I have a sort of, this sounds awful in terms of what I'm currently doing, but I feel like I have a bit of a 10 to 12 year I don't know what the word like would be like. I feel like after that amount of time, I kind of need a new challenge. And I think at that point, I kind of had enough, but I was really, you know, I was really doing really, really well and I was earning a lot of money. But I think I, I just, I, I think I felt like I probably wanted to go out on a high a bit. Um, and also, yeah, just have, have a change. So I very randomly was with my best friend and she she'd found some sort of vintage wedding dress um on ebay and said to me oh like it arrived and it's not right but i was thinking that you might want it for your kit you know because i used to keep a lot of clothes for work so she brought it round, and i think we proceeded to drink a bottle of wine (laughs) and talk about life and I sort of said, you know, it's not, it's actually not a bad business model. And this was sort of before Nasty Girl and like all of those things. I mean, people were using eBay, but it was quite sort of, you know, undiscovered at that point. So we just went online and started looking at stuff. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. You know, there's amazing dresses on here for not very much money. And I think we came up with the name that night. And again, it was when like sort of URL wise for Google it was a bit like you sort of, you did what it says on the tin. So it was like the vintage wedding dress company. I mean, that's what it is. That's how it started. Yeah. So I registered the domain name that that night, I think. And I'd been left a small amount of money from my nana. And I decided that I was going to just go and buy like a load of vintage wedding dresses. So obviously 
my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, I think thought I was absolutely mental. <laughs> but I just had a kind of real feeling. I just I talked talk to a lot of friends as well, and they just didn't really couldn't really find anything they wanted. I think in the creative industry, and particularly in London, there was some people doing some really nice things at the time. So you had Jenny Packham, which was obviously doing really well, and Templey. But there wasn't really anything else. And there was people selling vintage bridal, but in a kind of fusty, slightly fusty old way where it's all rammed into a shop on kind of metal hangers where you couldn't really see anything. Yeah. And my thing was, like, why don't you buy that dress? You repair it. You know, I can sew. And I have other people who then started helping me. But I would repair things, change them a little bit, you know, take the sleeves off, do something interesting to it, and then put it on a lovely hanger, put a tag on it, and hang it up and then I started selling out of my house so I just thought oh well I'll just tell people about it and I think my first piece of press was in vogue wow I got a randomly through another friend and obviously I had good contacts um she came because I think she was getting married so she came to see the selection of things that I had and then did a little piece like a write-up and a comment um, and then the next thing I got because I worked with her doing commercials was that Kate Moss and her friend James rang me up one night and she said, oh, I've seen this dress, you know, you know, can I borrow it? So I sent it to her and then they called and asked whether or not she could cut it shorter. She's like, you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> Thank you for asking. That's very kind of you. And she wore it. So that was my kind of second thing that I got was that Kate wore something, which was obviously quite nice. I got another friend to help me and it just went from there, really. And it sounds like it was a very quick start for it you. It was quite quick, I think. And it was quite quick. Were you, are you one of those people where you're excited by being outside of your comfort zone or did it feel like you were taking a huge risk and you were afraid at all? No, I didn't even think about it. I think, I mean, I like, I like risk. Um, I've probably become a bit more calculated and obviously once you have a business that employs like quite a few people, you definitely start to become more risk averse Mm -hmm. um, because other people's livelihoods are riding on your decisions and retail is a tough business to be in fashion's a Mm -hmm. tough business to be in but I think for me I definitely definitely like a challenge and I definitely like you know if I if I like something if I love something then I feel like you can make money out of that kind of thing and I think I don't know again it's a little bit like when I talked about having the belief in what you're wearing, I feel like it's, that's the same with, with business ideas. Yeah. It's a bit like if you, if you have that self-belief, then you probably can polish it up and turn it into something. So is that the advice that you would give other entrepreneurs that are thinking of branching out? The only advice I would give to probably particularly younger people, you know, if you're kind of figuring out what you want to do, my advice would be just don't worry about it just try out lots of different things but I would just say just do the things that you love and from that you and take risks when you don't when you don't have anything you don't really have anything to risk it becomes harder when you have more especially when you have kids and yeah and how how do you suggest someone maintains this risk-taking attitude when there's more at stake because I know with my skating yeah when there's a lot of expectation when I'm going into a competition as the favorite to win in the past I've skated cautiously I skate not to lose yes rather than skating to win and that's something that I've worked on a lot this year and I take more risks and that could be a disaster but then when you do well it's even more satisfying so 
how yeah how would you how do you maintain that when there is more at stake I think it's it's really really hard to do that I think it just becomes different when you partner up with people so my husband and I for example work together now and he's much more cautious than me and I find that really difficult because I think we're a really good team but he's he always looks at what's going to happen and he's more much more risk averse whereas I would always throw caution to the wind and I have this kind of weird belief that everything will be all right and he doesn't really have that so I think the way to probably keep on doing that you know when you give the example of the skating is to really focus on you know what you feel is important to you in terms of what you think you're willing to lose so none of that stuff scares me of course you don't really want to lose your house and you know like those really big things and even those things I don't know if they scare me that much either because I always just kind of feel like I would be able to pick myself up and dust myself down and do something else I think there's always something else out there that you can do so I think it's it's probably that to be not scared of failure which is really hard to say because you know no one wants to fail and and most of that is linked to your ego most of that is linked to worrying what other people are going to think of you but I think if you can really just focus on what you want and what you care about then that's a way to keep keep taking the risk and putting yourself out on the line and and to feel that you know you're making a difference to yourself you know not not to other people I love that you just brought that up because there's two things I want to say firstly there's a quote that I love I love my quotes, yeah. <laughs> which is starve your ego and feed your soul. And mm-hmm. I think that fits perfectly into what you're talking about and how Definitely. you need to focus on what you love and yeah. the difference that you're making and whatever it is. And then just really not worry so much about what other people think and being embarrassed because yeah. that's something that a lot of people are scared of. Yeah. And secondly, what is one of your favorite failures? So something that at the time seemed terrible or maybe not for you because you don't fear failures, but later you view as a blessing in disguise. Hmm. I mean, I think when I didn't get accepted to the Royal Ballet School the first time around um, at 14, I found that that was difficult because it's what I really wanted to do at that point. But I think that I think it would have been a really, really tough life and obviously not very many people are successful at it you know it's like skating I mean it's you know it's hard isn't it it's really really competitive probably more um kind of personal than work would be um friendships that I didn't continue with and I had in particular one friend who I'd been friends with for sort of 20 years when I met my husband she wasn't keen on him and she sort of sat me down and told me what she thought of me and I mean that was that sort of per- so that's more of a personal failure you know not sort of seeing that coming and yeah. not really being able to work through that I mean I think I'd, I tried at the time and then decided that it wasn't healthy and it wasn't the right thing for me to do to still be friends with her you're listening to the Lila Joe show what advice do you have for future brides on how to choose the right dress and how to minimize the potentially endless process of Mm. searching for the right dress 
I think it's really, really hard now. I think it's a very, very different from even five years ago. And there's a lot of great brands out there. There's a lot of new brands out there. I think that, you know, people are struggling. You know, using Pinterest and social media and Instagram is great because it gives you lots of ideas but actually what it can also do is really really confuse you yes and we see that a lot now like you would get people who would come and would buy a dress on a first appointment and now sometimes people are coming for four or five appointments and they're finding it really really difficult to commit and make a decision because I think they always feel like there could be something else out there so my advice would be to use all of those tools at your disposal to to give you great inspiration but to really try and hone it down before you start trying on dresses and also to not try on too many dresses because I do think that you do start to confuse yourself and you can just go round and round in circles you know pick five designers that you love the look of that are maybe slightly different so you're going to go and try on a different product in each place and work out from that what suits you and then narrow it down from there and take people with you that you trust and don't take too many people with you too many opinions too many opinions i mean for me i would always say go on your own really if you can if you have the confidence i mean i never took anyone's advice about what i wore and i <laughs> and i that's just obviously because of probably what i do for a living but you see people go like you know they've got the mom and the mother-in-law and they've got a sister who's probably a bit jealous not always <laughs> sisters because I have a sister but some sisters find it really difficult and then you've got yeah. two friends and it just everybody likes something different yeah. depending on who's paying for it becomes political so if your mum's paying for it but she doesn't really like what you like I mean it's it can be an you absolute disaster yeah I bet. so I would say if you can like do your research and go on your own first or okay. take one person that you really trust their opinion or they're going to be the person who goes well you look amazing and everything you know, these are things that I like. But obviously, if I say that and you like something else, then go for it. But then sort of make your choices and your decisions first, narrow it down, and then do the show of taking the people that you kind of feel you should be involving afterwards. I would love to hear about your wedding dress. And also, do you think that after having been exposed to so many different styles, do you think your decision would have changed? Yeah, it's a good question. Because I think about it all the time. I th- I think I thank the Lord that actually I got married at the beginning of the start of this sort of, this section of my career. Mm-hmm. Because I got married six months after I set up the company. And I wore a 1960s original vintage dress, which actually looked really like my mother's dress. I had a real oh. thing about my mum's dress. And... I chose a dress that really reminded me of her dress. It was a little bit more kind of intricate. Hers was very simple, very plain 60s. Um, and mine had some, some lace on it. And I wore her veil. And I had it altered by a friend's mum. But I kind of took it to her. And I didn't bother going picking up until the day before. And I tried it on and it didn't really fit. I couldn't really <laughs> lift my arms up very high. But I just wasn't really bothered about it. So, yeah, that was my dress. Um, But I do think if I got married now, (laughs) I think it would be a nightmare. Really? Yeah, I think it would be... There's too many many designs that I love now. You know, I think you can always look back and... I still love what I wore. I love it, but I could have worn something else. Yeah. You know? 
And I think it becomes this really, really big thing that you've got to get, like, the dress. You're never going to find it, right? Or does it exist? I, I think it does exist in terms of you trying on a dress that you feel comfortable in when it's your red carpet moment, moment you know, that mm-hmm. you're probably the only one you're ever going to have for most people. Yeah. And you've got all these people looking at you. So you need to feel comfortable in what you're wearing and confident. And, you know, it needs to cover up the things that you don't love and show yeah. off the things that you do. Um, but I, I don't believe there's just one dress out there that can do that. Yeah, there's um, lots of ways of doing that. Yeah, but it's, it's being able to make the commitment to it. It's a bit like uh, the man that you marry. Yeah. You know, it's whether or not you believe that there's only that one or whether or not you could have married, you know, 10 different men who yeah. would have all brought something different to the table. Exactly the same thing. Yes. You know? Yeah. And this is just me for my own selfishness right now. <laughs> what would you dress me in for my wedding if you had to? I mean, it's interesting what you've got on now. Like, I think that you'd look good in simple things, but stuff with detail. So, you know, like ruffles or kind of lace or like something. lace and little, I mean, nothing too fussy, I don't think. But you, I, I, I think that you'd look good in a high neck, something with a low back. Ooh. Nice. Well, thank you. <laughs> there you go. And obviously you're not intending to get married. No, I've got a little while to go, I'd say. But something that is coming up is Prince Harry's wedding. Yes. What would you dress Meghan Markle in? Um, well, I actually think that she would be perfect in a Charlie Brewer design oh. because she likes a simple, you know, clean lines and stuff like that. Yeah. I would dress her in something sort of sleek and modern and I think that she would look great in two I think she should change so I think she should wear something in the day and then change later into like a short little shift kind of something or other but I think that she shouldn't go traditional I don't think she should wear lace because Kate did right yeah and Pippa and And I mean I think that's too much lace going on I think it's just it is very it's really harking back to those archive kind of dresses, which I yeah. think are really lovely. But I think for her, you know, she's not going to be the traditional bride and she's sort of breaking the mould anyway. Yeah, it's quite um, refreshing. Definitely. You're listening to The Lila Joe Show. So I think we should start the cool down now. Okay. And <laughs> I found a couple of quotes from your Instagram, which okay. I love and everyone should follow. So the first one is, I whisper WTF to myself at least 20 times a day. What is your most common WTF scenario? I think that it's probably trying to focus on what you're doing and where you're heading Mm. rather than the sort of, like I said, that sort of bombardment of like what's going on in, you know, the exterior world to you and what other people are doing. I think that they're always my WTF moments. Um, You know, reining myself back in from that and kind of, you know, kind of worrying about any of that kind of thing. I just like to try and, when I get like that, have one of those moments and then pull myself back into what I want to do. Yeah, you have to have those moments, right? Yeah. The next quote is, when you have so much to do that you decide to just lie on the floor and call it meditation. <laughs> All jokes aside, how do you relax? Do you meditate? What do you do to kind of reset and recover? 
So I'm a long-term yoga devotee. Oh. Um, my practice has changed a lot over the years because I've had two major back surgeries. Um, and I now have titanium pins in my back, unfortunately. So I've had to kind of, whereas when I was 20, I would have been practicing Ashtanga and like throwing myself around the room. I now do Scaravelli, which is a kind of uh, much more meditative kind of form of yoga. And I start my week with that on a Monday. It's the one thing I pretty much do without fail. And I don't think without doing exercise. So I do Pilates as well. You know, it's really difficult to squeeze it in. But what I'll do is I'll forego other things. So I used to be a massive nail devotee. I would always have my nails done. Really? Oh, I don't do it anymore. Not at the moment. Because I would rather go to a class. Yeah. Um, and there's other things like that that are more kind of self-care yes. things that I don't really do at the moment because for me doing exercise is probably the one thing that keeps my mind straight and enables me to focus and stay calm and be able to cope with you know the children. I couldn't agree more and I mean I don't have three kids and I'm not running my own business but (laughs) I have a crazy schedule. You do. I mean I do a lot of things around skating and there's days when I was in high school, when I had so much homework, I had an exam coming yeah. up, I was so overwhelmed, and yeah. I just did not feel like working out. I felt too exhausted, was yeah. not in the mood, and yeah. I ended up working out, and I have to say the difference it makes to how I feel mentally, mm. how awake I feel, and how productive I am in what I have next yeah. is huge, and it's yeah. so important, Just even if it's 20 minutes, just finding that time and knowing that it will have a, an amazing effect on... the rest of whatever you're doing and to finish I was wondering if you have a favorite quote to leave the listeners with um I think my favorite quote was something that a very inspiring man that I worked with for a long time Jamie Oliver told me which was you're only as good as the people you work with and I think that that's very true and feels quite poignant at the moment for me so that would be my sort of I think it's a it's a great was a great piece of advice and probably my favorite quote of all time well Charlie thank you so much I know you're incredibly busy you have the twins downstairs I do Mabel coming back from a birthday party soon (laughs) so I really appreciate you taking the time to thank you talk to me I really enjoyed doing it thank you I'm Lila and you've been listening to the Lila Joe show you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter If you haven't yet, head over to Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another episode. Thanks for listening.